Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the world's leading podcast for injectors and aesthetic businesses. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, an aesthetic doctor with over 16 years experience in facial aesthetics. And I'm David Siegel, an entrepreneur and business mentor with over 20 years of experience in our industry. Our podcasts are aimed at industry professionals and any information or advice given is general in nature. You should consult with a healthcare provider before undergoing any treatment. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon for on-demand content for injectable business education. Hello, guys. This is something a little bit different for you and I, Jake. This is uh, 8 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, which is unusual for us. We normally do these at night. So we've got our quadruple strength cappuccinos <laughs> and lattes here to power us through the next hour and a half. And today we are joined again by our very uh, close friend, colleague over in Switzerland, in Europe, Dr. Felix Bertram, um, who's joined us on the podcast a couple of times before. He is obviously a dermatologist, a uh, got an amazing array of businesses over in Europe, including restaurants and very successful uh, dermatologist practices. He does the TV show, the the, uh, European version of the Shark Tank, where he tells people their business ideas are great or they're rubbish. Um, Very, very, (laughs) very very entertaining. This is is an investment of mine. Yes. Drink. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Nightmare. Make a difference, drink. Yeah, we'll, 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 Make get, a difference, yeah. we'll get you to do a plug. But before we jump into today's episode, Jake, what's been happening in Patreon this week? Well, uh, it's difficult to say because this is going to be put out a few weeks ahead, but you've yes, been very busy I with all been. of your business uh, recording. Yes. And I've just got a sneak preview of one of them uh, with your ex-business partner, Cassandra Smith. Yep. Yep. And it was really interesting. I, you know, I didn't watch all of it, but we've done a a live sort of walkthrough of someone's clinic in yep. Mudgee yep. and Cassandra was sort of giving her strategic tips about the layout, the yep. feel, the product presentation and actually looks really good. Yeah. Well, the episode we did with Cassandra was on maximizing retail sales opportunities. So um, I guess we're all opening these businesses. We're focusing on injectables and and skin treatments, but a lot of the time part of the the journey or the business that gets overlooked is what's happening at your front of house, your mm. retail sales area. How do you lay out your product display? Where's your couch position? Should a plant go here? Should a plant go there? Where are patients' eyes moving? How do you create an environment with, that's conducive with sales? So her philosophy is you need to treat your space like an employee and it needs to work for you. It's not just this passive area that people sort of sit in. So we, we've actually done um, a series of videos now where she's uh, worked with a number of our patrons who've volunteered themselves to have a look at their clinic. And we actually do a live walkthrough and Cassandra will talk about how things are laid out. So it's very, very interesting. Also put out a video this week with another client of mine, uh, Lisa Price, who's a nurse up in Cairns in mm-hmm. Australia. We had a bit of an HR issue uh, with with her clinic in the last couple of weeks and we sort of had to go through the process of terminating someone from her business. And so mm. we walked through that process and we thought it would just be a great example for people to listen to how to potentially deal with these situations and there's some lessons learned for her and for me. I'm always learning all the time. So we sort of documented that in a conversation, which which was very, very interesting. That's good. And actually one other piece of content that for me, it kind of borders more on business than yeah. injecting, but it's a bit of a hybrid. Um, I actually had a bit of a, an issue with a patient right. uh, about six months ago, and I decided to share that story in our Patreon. And I think that will resonate with a lot of people where things get a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, so if that sort of stuff interests you, please join our Patreon. Um, the other thing that we noticed is we're near 10,000 followers on our Instagram. Wow. So that has been completely organic. We've never put any money into ads or anything else. So if you're listening and you don't follow us, just please follow us yeah. on Instagram. It's Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Uh, we just want to thank those people who share their stories and you know share podcast clips and all that stuff. It's great. We love you guys. 
um, it will really help us if you also leave a link sticker so people can actually engage with your stories and actually listen to that podcast that you're promoting. Yeah. So thank you. And our partners, we should talk about our corporate partners quickly. Yes. Well, look, we've got several offers. We can't mention all of them, but if you go to insideaesthetics.com forward slash offers, we've got a number of corporate offers. Um, we have one with a, a, a Sydney-based uh, medical legal lawyer. Uh, he will help you with any of your sort of medical dramas or questions <laughs> or consent issues or anything like that. Yeah. You get 10% off uh, any of his fees. We work with um, Vitasol for supplements. Yes. We work with uh, a number of different people, uh, including Cutaneous, the uh, ultrasound experts in Holland. Yeah. So numerous things. So please explore our offers and we're adding to those every month. Yeah. Take advantage of being an IA listener. Now, let's talk about today, Felix. Um, before we sort of get you to reintroduce yourself a little bit. I guess we'll just maybe preface the conversation. So we've been having a lot of discussions lately around what's going on in our industry here in Australia in particular, a little bit in the US as well. We haven't really spoken about Europe much, but we're in some interesting times. I know I've spoken a lot lately about what's going on with the economy, what's going on with our industry in terms of more competition, particularly here in Australia, we've been dealing with a lot more regulation, which I know you're across as well, Felix. We were having a chat about this offline uh, about a week ago, and you've sort of shared some thoughts on that as well. And so I guess the purpose of today's discussion is to, <clears throat> pardon me, is to get another um, business brain in here um, who is also happens to be a doctor, so you've got some fantastic insights, and get some idea about what's actually going on in Europe. Are you seeing similar trends that are happening? Do you have any advice for our listeners on how to deal with it? And I guess just getting back to basics, really. I mean, that's when I was sort of drafting these questions, I was thinking about what actually motivated us to get into this industry and getting back to a little bit of first principles thinking, because I think it can get very easy. It can become very easy to sort of get into the into the detail and the weeds and is my marketing, should I be posting this? Should I be posting that? How often should I be posting when we really should be focusing on what is it that drove us to this industry? What is it that makes us different from our competition? What are the most important things that we need to be focusing on? So I thought that would I guess that's a nice way to sort of preface the conversation. Did you want to add anything to that, Jake? No, a really good summary. And, you know, David and I are mindful that a lot of the topics that we speak about each podcast are cyclical and we're in danger of repeating ourselves. But, you know, I think these things are important to hammer home, but it's also nice to get someone else's perspective. And, you know, Felix, we really value your opinion. And we've become good friends. And also, we want to get that different slant, you know, what's happening elsewhere in the world. We don't want to neglect our listeners yeah. in, in other regions. So good morning, my friend. And first of all, just, just reintroduce yourself for the people who missed your good first night, episode. Good my friends. It's yeah. 10 o'clock in the evening. Oh, good night. Yes. Well, morning for us. <laughs> uh, Jake and David, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's it's the best podcast. I, I love it. And uh, listeners, subscribe, like it. Um, <laughs> Do do whatever you can. It's it's really amazing. Well, Europe is about you know it's it's Europe is not just uh, one country. It's about forty seven different countries, um, and it, it varies from from like I don't know Germany is struggling a lot at the moment. Switzerland is doing well. It's in the, but it's just a neighbor. You know, it's it's very close together. But uh, that has different reasons. But I would say in general, core Europe is struggling at the moment uh, for for different reasons. Um, the, the Ukraine war is quite close. Um, there's a lot of anxiety. Uh, the, uh, governments ramping up the military uh, because they fear Russia will will invade NATO. Um, we have high inflations. I just talked at Imkas Paris to a Swedish friend who who told me they have like 40, 14% inflation rate. 
we have lack of qualified people. Uh, even we at SkinMate are really struggling finding good people. Uh, we have to really put all our resources into that. So it's a lot of things going on and making business more difficult. And we have huge competition because, uh, you know, also working as a doctor in Europe is is getting tough and even tougher. Uh, so many of them now try to shift into aesthetics. And I think I, I think we talked about that already in the first episode we we were doing together. Yeah, two that years was ago. Um, episode one ninety eight for anyone that wants to go and listen to that. Thank you, David. And I think you said um, that in the upcoming years there will be a separation from the, the weed from the chaff. Yeah. Is that what you say? Yeah. So yeah. exactly, this is happening. The ones who did it right and got it right are thriving, doing well, but all these quick, cheap discount chains are are struggling um yeah that's that's what i would say is is the general situation in europe at the moment maybe we could just give some basics for people who who are sort of um less sort of fluent with the sort of business chat what did you mean by the inflation rate why is that important and what's driving it and just give us a, a quick snapshot of that yeah um you know it, it's a lot about psychology so inflation rate means that the purchasing power of people goes down because things get more expensive. Food gets more expensive. Energy gets more expensive. Any kind of cost uh, rises up. And, and, and then combined with all these news about the war, people start saving their money, keep holding back. Uh, so so that's hopefully that's a good sum, summary yeah. of, of what we're going through at the moment. Yeah. And then you also get governments that will spend money. So, for example, during the, the COVID era, which is feels like it's, yeah. it's, it's weird to say it was two years ago, but it was three years of very, very difficult times for people, both physically, mentally, and, and financially. And so I know here in Australia in particular, we had a lot of government subsidies to help businesses and people yeah. that were forced to stop working. But money isn't free. And so they, they printed money to essentially try and combat what was going on. But when you, when you have an oversupply of money, it decreases its value. So you get back to the basic yeah. principles of supply and demand. When there's too much money in circulation – the money that you yeah. have is less valuable. Mm. So what cost you a yeah. dollar today might cost you a dollar fifty tomorrow. And that's what we've seen, particularly here in Australia. And it sounds like that's what's happening in Europe as well, Felix. So, yeah. you know, 100% correct um, in terms of what I, my understanding as well is, yeah, lack of consumer confidence, people holding back their money. That becomes almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. The less people spend, the less yeah. people spend. So if people stop spending in your business, you're going to stop spending in other people's businesses. Mm. Yeah. And then you and then so, news yeah. go out and say, oh, we have inflation rates. Well, like, yeah. And then people say, so it's a cycle, absolutely. Yeah, and and um, and the media always report negative stories. So you've got this perpetuation of negativity, yeah. f- fear, and, and so yeah, it's it's you know, energy is contagious. Yeah, exactly. Do, exactly. Do you think that um, you know we've just had Christmas? We're into twenty twenty four now. Do you, do you think that that that's like a, a good mental reboot for people, or or is it just arbitrary? Um, the same issues are the same as they were in November and December. Or, do, or can you see like a different path now we're in a new year? That, that's a yeah, that's a very good question. What I realize is that the first month, already December was very a very good month, and and January is is, is turning into a very very record month for us. Wow. Okay. Uh, so people start relaxing a little bit, and there's another thing I realize. While investors were very quiet in 2023, they're now all coming back. Uh, and I had a, I had a meeting just recently in Munich and then later in Paris. 
And I was having breakfast in one of one of these cafes, and and uh, two young guys were sitting on my right hand side and were talk, talking German. And I was having a chat about business and what. And they said, "Oh, are you are you from are you here for Imkers? And do you have a clinic?" And I said, "Yes, yes, um, that's true. And what are you doing here? Yeah, well, we are investors, and we are very much focused now on the aesthetic industry because we have a double digit growth rate. And uh, they said it's not only us, many." Investors coming back now and focusing on this uh, not yet structures and consolidated area of investment. So that's something I discovered, and I think that's an interesting move. So I think mm. there will be quite some movement in our industry in the near future in regards of investing and taking over chains and clinics, especially in Europe. I don't know how it is in Australia or US, mm. but here in Europe, a lot of providers sell their clinic to to yeah. bigger companies. Yeah, that's happened. I mean, it all started here about seven or eight years ago when um, my close friend, who was the founder of La- one of the founders of Laser Clinics Australia, I know both yeah. they're both friends, but particularly with 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 Bob Ack, who's been on our podcast a couple of times before, he sold his business, which was Laser Clinics Australia, to KKR, who were the thir- world's yeah. third He's largest an investor from yeah. Germany, um, yeah. and they've. I think, I think a lot of people buy these businesses. And don't really appreciate or understand the nuance of what it is that yeah. needs that needs to happen in these businesses. So, and it's not just a it's not a criticism of them. It's just a a general observation of these large companies that essentially think that they're buying a very simple business model, like selling yeah like biscuits or something. Like it, it's 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 a, it's a personal business, and I think that a lot of these companies come in, and unfortunately, they they sometimes don't do a great job because they just don't appreciate that the human resource side of things and they make decisions off spreadsheets rather than at getting to grassroots level of what's actually going on within these businesses. And we have seen a lot of them actually do quite badly um, from these yeah. investments because they just simply don't understand and, you know, decisions are made a very long way away in a boardroom and they don't actually get into the clinics themselves. And we saw a lot of people leaving these big chains, yeah. like a lot of yeah. skill, particularly like people like Jake, injectors who've got lots of experience and skill, who essentially yeah. didn't get offered that career progression, didn't get didn't, didn't get looked after correctly. And you've had a huge skill, uh, I guess, exodus from these businesses. And a lot of them are now starting to close here in Australia. We've had quite a few, of, a lot of yeah. consolidation yeah. going on. Same here. Yeah. Same here. That's- Thank you, David, for pointing that out. I think that's very, very important. And whenever I have a discussion with investors, I always say you have to understand medical providers, doctors, nurses, yeah. because the, we we as medical providers, we have a different mindset. And yeah. there's certain things you can't push them through, certain things you shouldn't say. Um, you can't squeeze them out like like a, like a citrus or whatever, you yeah. know, it, 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 I, and I, I have the advantage. I'm a doctor and I'm a businessman. Um, and and. I think that's one of our really um, advantages as skin mate. We find people because we let them do their work. They have some certain yeah. amount of freedom. We never push them to numbers or force them to, to yeah. sell like hell. Uh, that's not working with doctors. We 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 all go through this education and medical school and university and uh, clinics, and and we have this kind of. If you want to claim it negatively, we are brainwashed in this direction of ethics and 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 healing. And I like that, and it's great. And we are we don't feel comfortable if we push our patients to sell uh, to buy certain amount of fillers or push them in any direction. So 
I think that's very important, and many investors don't understand how yeah. how doctors and nurses yeah. and medical providers work, um, and that's why they fail. And then another thing is they have they, they you know from business perspective, it's good to have maybe this narrow offer, like okay, we only do hair removal or we don't we yeah. only do fillers. But the, what we what we see in Europe. In Europe, only doctors are allowed to to inject. In most, in only I think Sweden and and UK are um, nurses are injecting. But in general, it's doctors. And when you have this narrow offer or a range of treatments, you you struggle to find good doctors because, especially in Europe, because they they you know they went to so many trainings and so many. Uh, education they want to play on this piano and they want to yeah. provide what they have to offer and and i think that's a second thing that may, maybe it's different in other countries but no. in europe it's it, these chains which have a very very narrow um yeah. range of offerings um and treatments they they struggle yeah. to find good doctors yeah um i totally agree and, and jake can probably talk to this as well you know i guess in in the effort to streamline the processes and maximize efficiency and maximize profit, it makes sense to condense your your skew or the, the sort of treatments or products yeah. that you're providing. Yeah. And also to de- and also Agreed. and also to de-risk as well. So I understand the philosophy behind it. But, you know, maybe you can talk about this, Jacob. I mean, mm. I think that a lot of injectors who who come into this space will be happy with that arrangement for a couple of years while they're developing their skills. But eventually you get to a point, as you said, where they want to express themselves as an artist and as a medical practitioner and actually yeah. be able to provide the treatments that they think are appropriate for a patient. So if you've got a restriction on, say, biostimulators, for example, or off-label areas with filler, and yeah. there's a business model that doesn't allow for that, then you're going to get to a crossroad where these injectors are going to say, well, I actually now can't progress with my career. Mm. I yeah. don't feel fulfilled. And, they'll and they'll leave. So, what, I mean, what did you experience, Jake? I mean, Yeah, look, it, it, it's an interesting one. We, we've discussed it from a sort of a different angle, from a training and a yeah. competency perspective. And I think we all agreed that, you know, junior injectors would would do far better learning one thing really yeah. well and staying in their lane and being, you know, sort of mentored in yeah. that one thing and then they can progress but you get to sort of year two three of your injecting career and and you you feel like wow i'm kind of stuck and and i do need to progress yeah. and i do need to add to my portfolio and i think that's where chains get stuck yeah. because they tend to attract more inexperienced injectors who need that initial support but once you have you know a, a sort of a an intermediate or a competent injector they feel constrained within that environment so yeah. mm. that's where if i was a chain i would offer almost a two or a three tier career pathway yeah. for injectors yeah. where you have seniors middle and junior and you all sort of yeah. work in this symbiotic yeah. Yeah. Uh, well training system we went and had that very discussion i mean i saw i saw this coming years ago and we well you were still working in my clinic we went to one of the people head up in, in, in the company. And we said, I said, look, you're going to have an issue where you're going to have a huge exodus of people because you're not offering them a career progression. And we suggested mentoring. We suggested, as you said, mm. uh, selecting your top 5% of injectors and offering them an advancement in their career. And they just sort of looked at me and, and laughed us out the door. Mm. Well, I don't think they're laughing anymore because <laughs> it's kind of what yeah, we had predicted I, I is agree, happening. I David. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, I wanted to talk about the last sort of three months of, of 2023, because I know talking to a lot of my consulting clients, the general consensus and, you know, interested to see what you think, Jake, as well. You're a bit of an outlier. So sometimes your your opinion on things is not really uh, the, average. the average. So, mm. um, but a lot of people were finding it a lot quieter and people were panicking last year because 
Now, one mm-hmm. of the things that I'll always do is I'll, I like to compare the same period in the previous year. So I'm looking if I'm looking at someone's PNL mm. and thinking, okay, well, what did you do from October through December 2022, 2021? What does 23 look like? Yeah. And so people's businesses up until this point, if they're doing all the right things, have been sort of growing every year, you know, 10, mm-hmm. 20% growth, which is massive year on year. But this is sort of the first year where it's gone, it's either stayed the same or it's gone backwards or potentially or, or um, yeah, or the revenue stayed the same or gone up, but the profit's down because yeah. they haven't increased their prices and their all their input costs have gone up. So, um, I mean, I guess, firstly, Jake, what did you notice? And then, Felix, what have you sort of, did you sort of hearing similar mm-hmm. things over in Europe? Yeah. Oh, look, I'm, I'm very happy to share. I, I, I certainly noticed I wasn't 100% booked, which which is typical for me. Yeah. But also, I didn't, you know, luckily, and, you know, touch wood, it doesn't happen. I didn't have a, a huge change. I reckon a, a, about a 10% drop off. Having said that, the people who were coming were still spending money and my total, you know, profit for the year didn't change. Yeah. I don't think it grew, but it didn't change. Mm. Uh, so, you know, even for me, I can look at that pattern and say, well, it's not progression. Yeah. I'm just holding. I'm in a holding phase. Um, but yeah, you speak to many injectors and, you know, we're yeah. well connected through the podcast. Um, lots of people are, I'm going to use the word struggling. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe 30% drop off. Mm. Uh, it, it's quite significant. And so, yeah. you know, they're relying on a busy Christmas period to sort of pick them up and get them over mm. the line for the year. And then, of course, we come into January, which at least in Australia is traditionally pretty quiet. Mm. A lot of people don't go back to work until the end of uh, January. Yeah, well, school holidays only back, back last week. Yeah, last yeah. week. Um, so really it's only till maybe mid February where you sort of know where you're at yeah. and you're already like almost two months into the year. Yeah. So it's quite worrying for people. So I think, you know, it's interesting. I've seen some of the, uh, providers of our stock already doing some offers, yeah. uh-huh. uh, cause they've obviously realized filler sales are down, maybe talk sales are down. Um, you know, this is all symbiotic mm. one, one, you know, if the clinic's not selling stuff, the provider of the filler is not selling stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's all real. What, what do you think, Felix? I agree on that. Um, and I know from the big filler companies that their numbers are dropping quite massively, especially in Europe. Um, and well, the problems are coming from two ends. On one hand side, more and more providers fight for the patients and patients numbers dropping because mm. of the reasons I, I mentioned in the beginning, inflation rate and economic uh, circumstances. And then what you pointed on, David, is is costs were rising. I mean, energy costs went up massively here in Europe. And this leads to either uh, going into a, a loss or, or just the profit margins dropped. So yeah. we had profit margins of like 20% and yeah. last year it was then 15% still great and good but it yeah. it's, it's it dropped just because the costs were rising and we didn't increase the 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 prices massively uh luckily we still have the dermatology department in our clinic so so we were doing well and and then as as we mentioned in the beginning um, depending on on what what is your clientele you yeah. you might do better or or worse because the top 10% um, of the economic power, they still have the money. They don't care. They they, mm. they have money all the time. But the mid- middle class patients, they, they are struggling and, yeah. and, and that's where it's cutting down. So, um, yeah, that's that, especially in Germany and, and, and in um, northern countries like Sweden, uh, you can see these problems massively. Mm. I didn't actually you know, share many colleagues. Uh, when I was in uh, London over Christmas, um, you know, I'm just sort of walking around my old 
country and sort of getting yeah. a feel for it. And I haven't been there in, you know, for any significant period in a while. And my wife was there as well. And we both were like, we're a bit worried about the UK. Hmm. Um, you yeah. know, but particularly yeah. because of Brexit, forget inflation and the war, which is all compounding. But because they've been cut off from Europe, they're struggling with that they're not getting, yeah. you know, employees and, and people don't want to work. And uh, immigration, like many European countries, has become a problem. You've got a whole ton of people yeah. there, but they're not necessarily skilled or, or speaking the language or, 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 yeah. or mixing with the culture. So a lot of problems, I'm sure it's common throughout all of Europe, but particularly UK, it's sort of cut off from the rest of Europe, uh, yeah. both uh, geographically, UK but also a, politically now. Story. Yeah. yeah. So Sorry. I wonder if clinics in the UK have sort of noticed that, you know, the whole spending psychology of their patients uh, has changed. I mean, you know, you yeah. meet people who are making decisions, just like you said, of, shall I put the heating on or shall I eat today? And like, that sounds yeah. ridiculous, but people are actually yeah. having those conversations. Exactly. Um, so that that's quite concerning. And, you know, if that's the macroeconomics, people are maybe not going to be spending on their face. Mm. Um, that's just the harsh reality. So I, I see at least in Britain, I don't know what uh, Europe is, that it's going to be a hard six to 12 months. At least. Yeah. What do you think, uh, Felix? Do you speak to colleagues in the UK? Yeah, there's another thing. We, ha we have so many political changes here. So uh, I don't know, the, the uh, cars with, uh, how do you name it, gasoline yeah. uh, are, are, are not allowed anymore from 2030 uh, or so. So people changing to elect elect electric vehicles, people invest in their solar panels mm. um, because of new regulations. So there's a, a lot of spendings they have to go through. Uh, in Germany, especially, there's this, this Green Party in the power and they want to get out all these old heatings out of the houses. So you have to uh, invest in that. And, and I believe there are many discussions at the dinner table where where the wife says, oh, I would like to have new breasts. And daddy says, well, we need a new car and we need solar panels. And, you know, mm. So I, th I agree on that, definitely. It may be even worse in the UK. As you said, uh, we need to pay our bills and, and have need food. And and UK is is, is very worrying. So, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. We agree on that, definitely. But you have maybe better insight because you have colleagues there. Uh, Jake, what what is your perspective on that? Have you talked to some of them? Yeah, it, it's similar to what you said. I mean, people who have got established businesses are seemingly doing okay. I don't know if they're being honest, but you know, it seemed to be doing fine. Yeah. But it's those less established clinics where they're really panicking because they still tend to rely on volume of new patients rather than you know mm -hmm. uh, regular patients. And maybe some of those clinics are not working on rebookings as well. So they're relying on that new customer. And sadly, if the new customer isn't there, then suddenly, you know, from one month to the next, they're, they're struggling with their income and worrying about the rent rather than their profits. Yes. Um, so, you know, maybe if you've got some strategies for people to really double down on, you know, the next three months, I, I, I think that would be really useful. I mean, what, what are your conversations with colleagues in that situation? Yes, the, uh, I just recently did this uh, survey on on Instagram asking what are your biggest struggles, and, and number one was clearly finding new patients and retaining mm -hmm. uh, the existing patients. And I would like to point out on retaining the existing patients. It's much cheaper than gaining new patients, right? So you know what I do is I I regularly walk into my clinic and put on the eyes of a patient. 
How do I feel when I walk into my clinic? How is it? How's it smelling? How, how are the people? How, what is happening? And, and, and we regularly train our doctors and providers how they go, should go through consultation processes, how we make new appointments, how we retain these people. Um, and I think I would focus on that. Uh, it's quite expensive to gain new patients nowadays. Google ads gets more expensive. Facebook, uh, Instagram, definitely. So, so I think. That's what we do. We focus a lot on on retaining patients, and and that's that's a more easy game and and much more cost efficient game. Mm. And and just do that. Go go in. Go, put yourself in the dress of a patient, or in you know in the mindset of a patient, and walk through your clinic. Go. Is it tidy? Is it nice? Is it clean? Is it smelling well? You know. Do the where's the plans and the sofa and chairs and um. I, I think that's so key. Yeah, it's exactly what we're doing with Cassandra, aren't we? Yeah, and I, and I think even just to to sort of further expand on that, Felix, I think that what you said is absolutely correct. We need to be always dissecting what it is we're doing, thinking about things with with a, with a fresh perspective, and also I like the idea of potentially getting like a focus group of, of your sort of your top one percent or half a percent of your patients, and or yeah. maybe maybe it's less than that. Maybe it's like you know, 10, 20 people of the, of the ones that have been with you for a long time. You've got a really close relationship with them. They've got a vested interest in you and, and you being successful and regularly meeting with these people and getting them to give you feedback yes. because sometimes, Definitely. sometimes yep. even as yourself, even if you try and put yourself in the patient mindset, it's, it's difficult because you become almost blind to things that are, obvi- yeah, that are obvious that, to gotcha, other, yeah, other people. Yeah. And so if you've got that little trusted focus group of patients who are going to give you feedback, um, you know, doing things like visiting your, actually visiting your competition or getting your close friends and family to visit your competition. What do they do that you think I should be doing? What do they do better? What is it about yes. their clinic that, that's appealing to you? Because I think that a lot of people get locked in to just a routine mm. because we are as human or, beings. Yeah. Sorry. Or ask a friend you, whom you trust or family yeah. member to walk into yeah. your clinic and, 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 give your honest feedback. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree on that so much, David, that, that that's key. And, and you might be right. You, you, you probably blinded because you, you're there every day, but let someone else walk through your clinic and do the process and then see the competition. And what we do, we have this net promoter score. So every patient yeah. leaving our clinic gets a message and we ask them, how likely would you recommend our clinic from one to 10 to a friend or family member? And the ones who, who, who type a five or four, we, we contact them. We ask them what, what went wrong, what, why you're unhappy. Yeah. And they first have the chance to leave a comment, but if they don't leave a comment, we, we try to get in touch with them and find out what's wrong. And yeah. um, sometimes you have this tiny, you know, you have this tiny thing which is going wrong and you don't realize it <laughs> and, and it's damaging your, your, your clinic and, and, and the entire patient experience. So yes. Yeah. Keep, Those are friction, friction points. Yeah, can you yep. give some examples, Felix? What, what sort of silly things annoy people? Well, uh, you know, we had this phase where there was one employee in our clinic who was who was um, who was critical to everything, and and she poisoned the entire team. Mm. So the entire atmosphere was was tangent, and and they all were under stress. Um, and we realized this far too late. Uh, we then, um, how do you name that? Put this lady off, or yeah, you're fired. I do, yeah, 
yeah, uh, <laughs> released her. Yeah. Uh, and and it's, you know, it's so key to have this culture and atmosphere, and and, yeah. and 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 it's a people's business. So we focus very much on, and we even we even we're currently installing a recruiting department and doing very very professional proper interviews and personality tests to find out the good people. And not only I have a I have this kind of business coach, and he's a great guy, and he says. You can't find A players all the time, uh, but you should avoid to find to to employ C and D players, mm. right? Mm. You might have a few B players, but that's fine. And you have luckily or hopefully some A players, but avoid to employ C and D players. So we really um, put much resources into that, mm. and and I think that's a key thing. Yeah, you might only can do that on a proper. Um, scale or size but you know it's uh, or no let me say it this way even if you're a single injector provider you could work with a star method go and google star method uh, it's an interview technique where you where you go into former um employment situations with the with the person who's who's applying for the job and go into details say okay where was a conflict how did you solve the conflict? Okay, let's go into the room where we, you were sitting with your boss. What did the boss say? What did you say? And you are surprised what, what, what what's delivered by, by these kind of interviews. You really get a good feeling how these people tick and how they solve problems and how they progress and how they what's their mindset. And um, I learned this interview technique and it helped me so much. So I think even if you don't are a big clinic, you could learn this. Just Google it. It's very simple. Go into the CV and and go into these former um, positions they were in, and 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 really ask detailed questions. Go into concrete situations, and um, yeah, it's you know it's the details. I, people often ask me why are you successful. And I always say I'm going into details in every detail. I go deeper, deeper, deeper. Understanding myself, understanding my why, but also understanding patients' psychology, their core motivation, and I, you know, it's it's my purpose. I'm when we when we stop recording here, I probably will think of how I can improve in 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 more details, and I think that's key. That's really interesting, Felix, because I know David has maybe a different style. I think you've shared mm. when you when you interview before. Mm. Sometimes, and I guess every situation is different, and maybe it depends on what yeah. skill they're they're, they're going to do for you. But sometimes you feel that it can be quite contrived to say, "Oh, you know, give me an example of where you were stressed yeah. or yeah. angry or blah blah blah." But maybe yeah. sometimes it would be useful. What do you think? Um, yeah, just uh, just sort of to to add to what what Felix said, I, I think that um, getting back to, I'll get to the, your question in a sec. I just wanted to just comment on um, selecting your team: A players, B players, C players, D players. So. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think of it like an analogy, like developing like a sporting team. You've obviously let's let's look at we're, yeah. talk, we're talking to someone in Europe, and, and Jake's a European, well, formally. Um, <laughs> let's talk about let's, let's talk about football or soccer. You know, here we go in Australia, right? Yeah. So you've got your strikers, yeah, yeah. the people that are going to score all the goals, and then you've yeah. got your midfielders, the people that sort of are the, are the ones responsible for moving the ball from one end of the field to the other and delivering the ball to the people that are going to score the goals, and then you've got yeah. your, then you've got your defenders and your goalkeeper. They've all got different skills. So when you hire yeah. someone that's like, I'm assuming what you meant by A play was your sales guns, the people that are high, high financial performers, they're high energy. Um, but it, you've got like, if you look at those people on like, if you're playing a, a game, right? And they've got like strengths and weaknesses, you'll find that those yeah. people that are your like your strikers, yeah. they're highly volatile. There might be, you know, some, 
slightly dodgy things that they may do from time to time. They're always looking for the next opportunity. They're generally your troublemakers. <laughs> um, I'm generalizing. You, you, exactly, occasionally exactly. you'll find a unicorn, right? Occasionally. But if I'm just talking in general terms, then you've got your slow and steady people. They may not be selling the most all the time, but they're consistent. They don't call in sick. They don't give issues. They're very nice sort of uh, amenable people. They, they, they rub people the right way. They, mm. they give off a nice energy. And so when I'm hiring someone, I'm thinking about not only in this person in isolation, but how's this person going to fit into my team? Yeah. What role are they mm. going to play? Yeah. Um, sometimes yeah. it's, it's the slow and steady that wins the rest. And so you need, you need your high performers, you need your slow and steady, reliable people, and, and you're sort of forming like an, an overall team dynamic. In relation to your question, Jake, around um, my interview process, look, different things work for different people. Mm. For me, when I'm doing an interview process, I've always been of the opinion that obviously if, if you're looking for someone that uh, has to have a certain qualification or skill set, that, that to me is just a given. You need to have those skills to be applicable to be um, even having an interview. But yeah. assuming you've got all the skills, I want to find out who you are. Mm. I want to find out what sort of person you're going to be because when everyone comes to an interview, you're sort of you're meeting their PR agent. You're not actually meeting them. You're meeting yes. you're meeting yes. a and you know a personality or a, a sort of like an alter ego. Yeah, that the they're, public that, figure. Yeah, yeah, that they're presenting. And so for me, I always used to want to try and get them to relax. Mm. So I, I after a number of years of trial and error, and again, different things work for different people. Maybe I was just bad at interviews, and I had to find my own way to do it. But I wanted them to just. I wanted to get them to know them on a personal level. So I usually take them out to a cafe somewhere a bit more casual. Talk, yeah, talk to me yeah. about your weekend. What do you do when you're outside of work? What sport do you like to watch? What, what interests you on TV? What sort of movies do you like? Where do you like to go on holidays? And eventually, people can't keep this act up forever. When you sort of change the, the, uh, the, <clears throat> the dynamic of the conversation and make it casual, those people eventually will drop their guard and you'll, get, you'll start to see sort of glimpses of the real person. Mm. So for me, that was a strategy that worked for me because I wanted to yes. find out Yes. who they were because eventually the, that person will, will reveal themselves and sometimes they're already employed within your clinic and sometimes they're past what we have here in Australia as a probationary period. And so to remove yeah. someone from your business, and I don't know what the law is in, in Europe, Felix, so you can enlighten us, but once you get past that six-month period, you've got to go through like this process to get rid of them out of your business. And then there's all these um, workplace laws that make it difficult for employers to remove employees from their business. So it can become challenging. So I wanted to try and find out as quickly as possible, yeah. who are you? Yeah. Are you going to fit in my yeah. team? But I understand, you know, a lot of merit in what you said as, as well, Felix, you know, finding, finding out what they've done in their previous employment, putting them on the spot in, in some respects to find out where their strengths and weaknesses are, how they're potentially going to interact with your business. So I don't think there's a right or a wrong. Mm. I just think whatever style work works for you. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you both. We work with this personality test oh, okay. on, 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 on certain positions. Yes. Not everyone, but, but that helps a lot. You can work with these colors. You can work with animal schemes, but yeah. it's very helpful. Yeah. yeah. And Sorry. I think, and I, and I think so, we just need to learn to trust our gut a little bit. hundred percent. And, and you know, yeah. you've, you've both got experience, uh, managing many, many people. So I think you find your own system yeah. that works for you. Yeah. I want to give you both yeah. a scenario and, and see what you would both do. <laughs> cause, cause this came up in our WhatsApp chats okay. for our Patreon. So, um, one of our patrons, uh, employed a new girl who was front of house reception stroke, uh, stroke role. And, I think that she had an aesthetic that maybe wasn't, um, <laughs> you know, maybe fitting with the style of the clinic, but but it wasn't so extreme that it was maybe bad. Uh, it then transpired within the first week that this receptionist was also acting as an influencer at another clinic. <laughs> 
So getting, okay. you know, injectables and, and appearing in their social media, et cetera. And mm. this was declared after, you know, starting work. Only the first week, so it's not yep. too far in. Mm. And the question yeah. was, are the red flags big enough for me to make a call to get rid of her now? Or do I take her aside, flag my concerns, and see if I can steer the situation to a happy conclusion? What would you do with that, Felix? Uh, prob- uh, if she... I would have expected that she would told me in the interview that she's doing this job. Uh, that's a definite red, red flag. No doubt about that. <laughs> no. I, I would have get, I, definitely no, no. I'm uh, while while I'm getting older, I'm getting more strict. Yeah, you know, I I fire quickly. Yeah, uh, and 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 for good reasons. Yeah. And again, well, just quickly, want to jump on the gut feeling, uh, uh, David. Uh, you are right. But the problem is, in our clinic, we have like five people recruiting, and we have five different gut feelings. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That, that's it. That, that, the question: When, when yeah. you scale up, you have to find some kind of systems and, and, and protocols, where, 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 you know, uh, because we see that the difference, mm-hmm. the gut feelings, is very, very different. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I have a, a, a tiny anecdote from a football coach in U or yeah, football, American football in US. And he had the first pick in the draft, and yeah. and there was a, a future superstar, and he didn't pick this guy on number one. Yeah, he picked someone on twenty eight, and then another one asked, "Why did you did that?" And said, "Well, this guy on number one, he's an amazing player, uh, but he's known for partying at night, and he's an extrovert, and and uh, and he's he will be fine. He will be there next morning, and he, he will perform. But the problem is." He will pull in eight other players to, to go for part. That's <laughs> yeah. a problem. That's why I picked 28. He's a, I don't know, he's a calm guy. He might not be that super. That's an experience I, I, I had as, yeah. as well many times. Uh, extra uh, soup or narcissist soup, self, self-considered superstars yeah. are al- almost a problem for the team. So, so I'm always happy to have like people who are team players or willing to accept others. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think particularly, I think, particular, I think particularly in this industry as well, where you're dealing with with medicine, you want to have people that are process driven. They're going to focus on compliance and being safe and all those kinds of things. So I think if you're like out there, like selling real estate, maybe you're going to be your criteria is going to be slightly different as well. So I think, yes. that, yeah, definitely. Um, your situation is slightly different, Felix, because I've I've seen your clinic. It's it's effectively a mini hospital, really. Uh, and you've already mm-hmm. said you've you know you've got five people recruiting for you, let alone yeah. you doing the recruiting. So your situation is slightly unusual. But what advice could you give for your average clinic where there might be a handful of staff and generally the injector is the business owner, and people often struggle with leading a team or, or or assuming the role of the boss as well as the you know the sort of the clinician and i think a lot of people struggle with maybe stamping the authority is the wrong word but but feeling comfortable enough to to hire fire to make mm. decisions and lead what what would yes. you say to those people the very good question i often see especially nurses of female that they have this very familiar style of leading right they're all friends they go out all the time um my personal style is i all i'm very relatable and friendly and approachable but i keep a certain distance to my employees because i always it's the same with the industry i keep a certain distance to the industry because i'm always i always have to be in the position that i quit a filler company to take on another and the same same here i and and having this distance in place this 
professional distance uh, helps me to make the right decisions. And often you quite, you, we are lucky in Switzerland because we, we have this period of six months or three months, but we also can lay off people afterwards within a short notice of period and without, uh, without any problems. But um, yeah, I, 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 I'm like, I like to be in this position to make a clear decision because when you often know in your gut, at a certain point that this person is wrong and when you wait too, lo- too late it's like a rotten app sorry I'm, 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 it's it, it, harsh terms i'm a friendly <laughs> person i love my employees but uh, just to draw a picture if you have this one poisoning person they can damage your entire clinic yeah so nowadays once i realize this person is not right i'm acting i'm not waiting too long we mm. have maybe three con- three um feedback conversations but you know if you go like seven conversations you you lose your credibility and these people will will damage it and we had that many times we had people we laid off and they took another five people with them and we were struggling keeping the business running yeah um yeah leadership is is not sunshine all the time (laughs) Yeah. yeah leadership is being very clear and and being yeah. So, so how do Draw you, your how, how, how can you be friendly and know your staff and, and fit, mm. make them feel like they're supported, but also keep the distance? Like mm-hmm. what, what, what is that boundary? What do you do that is the distance? Yeah. My personal picture that is, is my father. My father was this kind of person. He supported me. He was behind me when I went on some kind of adventures and always be ready to catch me. Uh, but he also taught me where's the borders and where not should to go, should go and, and when I stretch things. And that's the same idea. We have a spirit book. And we have certain communication tools where we uh, draw our borders and we explain what we expect and what people we are looking for. And I, I'm I'm very clear, but I I consider myself as this kind of father figure. Mm. Again, that there are probably many mothers out there who are the same. But my personal picture of this is my father, who was able to to do exactly this: yeah. caring, uh, uh, protecting, um, empowering, but at the same time uh, making very clear where the border is. Mm. So that's what what I try to do. Yeah. yeah. To answer your question with the red flag thing, yeah, absolutely, red flag. <laughs> and that works. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm consequent. I, I, when, when there's a red flag, I, I'll do it. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't wait. You, you know. can't hesitate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just sort of to, to continue on on that, uh, if, if you've made a decision to, because you have to give someone a notice period, you can't just sort of turn them, terminate them, and we're here in Australia, don't know what the law is in Europe. Um, but if I've made you can, a dis- but you have to pay them. Yeah, exactly. So I was just we gonna, have to pay them for another three months. Sometimes it's better to do that. Yeah. So I was just going to say, if you've made a decision to remove someone from your business, mm. you're better off just paying them out the notice period and getting them out of your clinic. Because as Felix yeah. uh, pointed out, that that cultural, like if your culture gets poisoned, it's sort of, as you said, it's like putting like, if you imagine if you just put like a, a piece of mold in your food. Yeah. Um, that mold's going to gonna spread. And as you said, it'll yeah. infect the whole the whole thing. So you need to cut it out immediately. Yeah. Um, just just uh, for here in Australia, um, <coughs> how how can you terminate? What's the probation period? Six months. Yeah. It's six months. So after six months, you six need to- months. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, after six months, you then need to go through a process of written, like a number of written warnings and giving mm-hmm. them an, an opportunity to sort of improve. And even then, you know, a lot of them will try and make a claim that you've, un, uh, you know, unfairly dismissed them. And so you, do, you really do need to understand what the guidelines are, what 
you know, get support. There are HR services out there. I don't claim to be an HR expert. I've just been burnt a number of times. So you get mm. to learn the way the law works and what you can and can't do. Documentation is really important. So I don't know if you've got issues when you're having meetings or performance meetings with staff, always have someone there in the room with you so they can make notes so that you've got a second, I guess, backup of a record of what's actually happened, yeah. follow up meetings with an email. So you've got a paper trail explaining what's happened. So, because verbal conversations will always end up as a matter of he said, she said, yeah. and then whose story are you going to believe? Yeah. A funny story though, just to, just quickly before we move on, um, I had <laughs> I had a staff member a number of years ago that came for an interview and turned up beautifully presented. Um, you know, she had uh, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like she had like a fringe that sort of hang down, like just past her, her eyebrows. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, didn't think anything of it. She turned up like the next day to work with her hair back and she had a tattoo on her forehead and she was sitting at front, <laughs> sitting at front desk. I'm like, you sneaky. We, we had the same story. We had, we had someone in our plastic surgery department, you know, in, in our plastic surgery, we have yeah. really rich people coming in, conservative yeah. people. Yeah. And this lady went, was at the interview and there was no tattoo or maybe somewhere in the body, I don't know. But then we hired her and between giving out the contract and the starting uh, day of her work, she went to tattoo her hands. Oh, yeah. And she came back with, I don't know, crosses and all kind of signs on her fingers. Mm. And, <laughs> and, you know, you are working in the plastic surgery department. People are spending 15,000, 20,000 here. They are these rich, conservative, little bit older people. We, yeah, that. Mm. You know, why not calling us and say, is it okay to get a tattoo on my fingers? And yeah, we, we terminate the contract immediately. And <laughs> yeah. that's I mean, I'm covered in tattoos, but I would never get like something on my hand or my face, especially like, so I, I just think that there are certain, yeah. there, as you said, depending on what client demographic you're dealing we with. We don't have problems with tattoos. We have many people with, yes. with tattoos, but it's depending, right? Yeah. You're having it on your neck or in your face yeah, is something different. I mean, yeah. It's all about yeah. context, I think. Okay, guys, we've got a bit of a surprise for you mid-podcast. Um, hopefully, you're all ready for this one. So traditionally, David and I normally do an IA competition. We've done a few of these over the years. Last year, we did the big Arthur Swift, uh, Swift Beauty competition where we flew someone all the way to America. This year, of course, we're going to be aligning with Felix. So Felix, tell us a little bit about what you've got in store for these people. Thank you, Jake and David. Yes, we almost sold out in a circle, but I decided to add another golden ticket and we will ruffle it off for all your amazing Inside Aesthetic listeners. I'm happy to have someone of these wonderful people in Switzerland. Amazing. So for the guys who don't know, although I think you'd be crazy not to, the Inner Circle is Felix's brainchild, kind of a, an annual conference that started, what, maybe three or four years ago now? I'm not sure exactly. Three, three years ago. Three. And um, there's only 50 tickets, 50 attendees. Um, it's a pretty prestigious and, to be honest, expensive but amazing event where uh, I know there's a lot of hype around it. It's a lot about motivation, inspiration, business, finding yourself and all of that stuff. So pretty exciting prize. Now, David and I will um, join in this prize and we're going to fly someone wherever you are in the world to Switzerland to join. What What are the dates again, Felix, of the Inner Circle this year? It's 20, 22nd of May to 26th of May. So Fine. it's ending 25th of May, Sunday evening, uh, but then we have a gala dinner. So I recommend to fly out on Sunday. It's going to be quite 
quite the opportunity for the winner. Could you just tell us who some of the guests are or the speakers that you've got at the event, Felix? Sure, sure. So we have uh, Timmy Miranda Pierce, Rachel Jarrell, aka Mrs. Glow Talks, uh, Dan Julian, Dr. Nicola Conlon, Claire Fontaine, uh, Marilyn Capote, uh, Mava Safa. It's a bunch of lovely, lovely and skilled trainers and speakers. Uh, Rick O'Neill, by the way, Rick O'Neill. Yep. I hope I've forgotten no one. Do you have anyone in mind? I've forgotten, Jake or David. Uh, your colleague from your clinic, the dermatologist. Yeah, Marta, Marta Schmelter. Marta yes. Schmelter will be speaking. And what do you think it is that make it's different about this event from the other conferences that are going on around the world? Because there's so many to choose from these days, and this is quite exclusive. But what do you yeah. think the major difference is with the inner circle? Well, I, I think the major difference is that we really are. Give, give the permission and empower people to grow and follow their goals. Uh, we will have a section about um, it, treatments and, and especially future treatments like regenerative medicine and PRF. Uh, but the majority is really this intimate circle, four days together. It's like a like a school class event. Uh, it's 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 not too much time together, so we, we yeah. don't get to know yeah. the awkward side of each other. But it's just enough of of really empowering each other and going through finding your why, leadership, team building, uh, how to grow business, how to set up a med spa, um, marketing, branding, personal branding. So it's a bunch of uh, really exciting uh, content. Fantastic. And it sounds a lot more interactive than what you get at your average run-of-the-mill conference where you, you kind of get talked at for a little while, which is great, but this sounds like it's a lot more involved. People sort of really get involved in the yes. process and learning. Yes. And it's a, it's a great networking opportunity. It's a, it's a lot of one-to-one. Uh, we like a family. It's really special. It It's a magic event. I, I can Fantastic. promise. Sounds amazing. I'm a bit jealous that we can't come. Maybe we'll come next year. Um, so. We have calculated this prize is worth well over 25,000 Australian dollars. I don't know what that is in US or francs, but it will include, and I'll just read a list here because there's so much uh, to give you guys, return flights from your home city, wherever you are in the world, all the way to Zurich, transfers from Zurich to the hotel, four nights accommodation at the stunning five-star Bergenstock Resort. Now, if you've ever Googled this place, it's insane. So have a look and and excite yourself. Um, obviously full access to all the sessions at the Inner Circle 2024, all of your food, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, coffee, everything for all four days. And then a six-course dinner at Skins the Restaurant, which is Felix's incredible two-star Michelin-star restaurant. I have had lunch there, just a taster menu, and it's amazing. <laughs> so I can only imagine what the six-course uh, dinner <laughs> is like. Um, then there's another group dinner and social program at Lucerne, one of the most amazing cities in Switzerland. It's beautiful. Then attendance at the gala party. Of course, there's a gala party at the Parisa restaurant, and that's inside the hotel. Then, uh, of course, a certificate of attendance to say that you have been to this amazing event. So it's incredible. Felix, you've been extremely generous, and I'm glad that we could sort of contribute and make this a you know pretty impressive prize. Um, if you want to apply tonight after this podcast, uh, I'm going to say eight o'clock this evening, we'll do a post of with all of that information, but also how to apply and what you need to do. So guys, please go to Inside Aesthetics Podcast for that post. And I'm sure Felix will mirror this on his own one. Thanks, guys. And uh, sorry for the interruption and back to the podcast.
Let's move on. Let's just talk about adapting because I think that we've, we've sort of pictured the doom and gloom. Everyone's struggling, inflation, the world's on fire. We get all that. So we sort of mentioned that only the strongest is going to survive. So look at your systems, your processes, try and make your clinic better. Look at what your competition's doing. Make sure you've got the right people on board on your team. But what does like adapting mean to you, Felix? How does someone who's potentially look, listening to this going, okay, great, um, this is good advice, but um, I've done all that now, but how can I actually now start thinking about adapting my mindset, my business to fit into you know, this new world that we're living in or the world that we're living in right now um, yeah. in terms of being that provider that's going to focus on retention to be the, 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 the option that stands out from the crowd and, and becomes the place that people decide to go. How, how, how do you sort of stay adaptable and, and what steps do you think people can sort of implement now to sort of make, make their business one of the, the examples that's going to survive and potentially thrive in, in, in the current situation that we, we find ourselves in? Yes, thank you. There are probably many things to think of, like, like as I said, patient focus and other stuff. Get your not only get on skills in injecting, also get skills in leadership mm. and, and other we have this nice conference called Inner Circle. So you learn a lot there. Uh, but I, I would like to point out going back to first principles, yeah. as you mentioned in the beginning, yeah. right? Um it, Many providers start doing crazy things like uh, reinvent filler strategies, and I would I, I, we we had a short conversation, Jake and me, um, that that we will recommend really to go back to common uh, a common sense and and a common knowledge um, evidence uh, that we use the fillers. Uh, we learned it and how it's proven many times. And instead of uh, breaking it down into crazy sub-segments or whatever, um, focus on a personalized patient experience. Um, yeah, uh, focus on patients' features and anatomy. That's what I think. Uh, first principles, yeah. Yeah. I tell you something that sometimes happen, and I personally see this as wrong, but maybe you guys would disagree. Yeah. Often people go, hmm, we're struggling. We need to add a new service. And they go, I know what, I'm going to buy a yeah. device. Yeah, that's a, that's a it, common It seems yeah. very common, but also high risk. Um, so yeah. I think what you were saying, Felix, is get back to basics. Um, don't expand your services. Don't you know, sort of uh, confuse your business model. And maybe you're sort of getting at more the question of understand your why rather yeah. than reinventing yourself. Mm. So, I mean, what, 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 what that's so key. Yeah. What, what do we mean by our why? What, 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 cause some people can't define that. Yeah. You know, being, being successful in whatever you do, you have to contribute a lot of energy, a lot of, it's a marathon. You have to consistently show up and you, you need to have so much uh, uh, fun and, and, and power into your, into your business, whatever you're doing, that you are willing to do the stuff even in your free time. Well, I always say you can, I, I, two ways to find your why. Go and check your Instagram search and detect area. <laughs> there's, there's probably show what you are about because they know the algorithm and, 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 and check you. And the other thing is um, check on what you are thinking about when you have free time. So my free time, especially in summer, is 
being with my dogs in the garden. And I can tell you 90% of this time, I'm thinking of business. I'm thinking of how to improve. I'm thinking of the future and what what will happen. Um, so my why is clearly being an entrepreneur, creating and building and uh, these kinds of things. And that's what we do first at the inner circle, finding the why. Because people often listen to these outer voices screaming. Uh, you mentioned in the beginning, David, they, they, they go on Instagram and, oh, I would like to be like Julie Horn or Tim Pierce. And, but start with your wife. Start with what would I do if I don't get paid? What would I do if I have five more years to live or so? Um, and, and it's astonishing. And when you know your why, I even go deeper. I ask myself, why do I have this why? Why do I need, what, why do I have this need to be successful? And then you, I go back to my childhood and find stuff there. But when you understand yourself and you understand what is your purpose and what's thriving you, it's much easier to, to put in all, all the effort and, 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 and be successful. And success can mean anything, right? You can be a successful parent. You can take care of dogs. You can be a successful artist earning only tiny money. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying success is big companies and, 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 and huge amount of money, but that's what we find out with these people at the inner circle. It's really, really a strong tool. If you understand how you function, how you how you work and mm. what's your purpose. Mm. If I can explore that further, and I, I want to ask both of you, mm. you, you both sure. mentor injectors and people around the world. How many of the people who are struggling do you think don't understand their why or their purpose? What do you think, David? Mm. I, I ask that with the context of many people get yeah. into aesthetics, and, yeah. and I'm one of them. Yeah. Not, I mean, I loved aesthetics when I started and I trained, but I never saw it as a, a career yeah. that I could do. I, I was a surgeon. I just didn't have the mindset at yeah. the time. But a lot of people go because they don't like the hospital. The, 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 the motivation's different. Yeah. yeah, it's doing the job that they dislike the least. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, that's a good question. And I think that that's changed a lot because I think now there is like a, there is a path to follow. People that have been in the industry for 10, 20, 20 years have sort of, demonstrated that this is a career that you can pursue and, that, and they've created this industry. Mm. So I think it depends on sort of when you're entering into the industry. But I, I think that when we, we sort of relate this back to first principles thinking and, and what is your why, you know, are you passionate about this? Are you turning up to work every day because you truly care about good patient yeah. outcomes, performing these treatments? Does it make you happy? Are you looking at the watch, working out, oh, I can go home in three hours. Oh God, that's a patient Send me another message. <laughs> I think it's about just as, as, as Felix said, finding something that you're in love with and then it doesn't feel like yeah. work. Mm. And so I think there is because this industry has a lot of allure, you know, it's slightly, you know, the dark arts, it can be very lucrative. It's, you know, very glamorous. There's a lot of sort of social interactions. And I think that some people have been drawn to this industry for potentially the wrong reasons. Yeah. And now that the industry is consolidating and it's not as easy as it used to be, and you have to be better than everyone else to be successful. Yes. I think these yes. tough times, will sort out the people that should be in this industry and those that should not. Yeah. So I think that when you are truly in love with what you're doing, getting back to energy and that being contagious amongst your patients, your peers, your staff, that that resonates. Yeah. And so I think that <clears throat> being really honest with yourself, because if you don't have that underlying desire and that real love for what it is that you're doing, you're not going to be able to get through these tough times. Yeah. 
go and do something else. Yeah. Because life is short. We never know when, you know, when it's over. Yeah. It's <laughs> and true. so why waste it doing something you don't truly love? And yeah. I think that yes. when you reach these tough economic times and we'll get to regulations here in a second, it is becoming a tougher industry. Definitely. And you need that X factor to be successful. So, you know, when it comes down to what you should be doing in your clinic every day, um, you know, thinking about, okay, what is it that is attracting people to my business? What is it about me that makes me different from my competitor on the other corner on the same street? Because that's pretty much what we're dealing with now in most major cities is that it is that competitive. Yeah. What is yeah. it that makes you different? How do you, and, and I think a lot of the time we focus too much on clinical outcomes and I don't mean to um, devalue that or, or not say that that's important. I think it's just an expectation that a patient walks out with a safe, safe, safe treatment and a good clinical outcome. Mm -hmm. You're going to have your outliers, you know, your, your people that are exceptionally gifted and they're going to be able to, you know, your one percenters, you're always going to get those. But for the 99% of the rest of us who are just average, mm -hmm. it's about how you make your patients feel. And that all comes down to the patient journey, the energy, the energy of your team, um, being honest about who you are, what you're prepared to do, what it is you stand for. All of those sorts of factors will create what is different about you and your business. Definitely. Felix, you, you've had a number of uh, inner circle events now and you've got another one coming, I think, is it May? May, your, May. your next one? Yes, yes, May. What, what sort of things do people reveal about their own why or their own struggle and, and how did they overcome it? Like, have you had any interesting stories that you can share that might motivate or inspire people? Yes. Um, Honestly, I think most people do not really work through that and find their why. Most people are massively influenced by outer voices, by the screaming, by Instagram, mm. uh, by success stories, by money, by fame, uh, by narratives, right? We, we have this narrative of being doctors and uh, to have the courage to step out and do something else needs a lot because our parents and friends have the feeling you are a doctor, you shouldn't have a restaurant, you shouldn't do business. Um, and, and therefore, um, that's really always this, when we start with this why workshop in the circle, it's really this, this moment of awakening. After we have this first workshop, people are really different and, and they, they are, energized and have to say, now I understand myself better. Um, and to the inspiring story is, I, I tell you, it's about me. Um, when we had the first inner circle in preparation, uh, I wanted to be the organizer. I didn't want it to be on stage or anything. But then I think Chris Subia was saying, well, Phoenix, you should go on stage and talk about how you became this business guy or, or how did you build this clinic? I said, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do it. But however, they all convinced me to do so. And then the, the, the next Sunday, I was sitting at home thinking, okay, what can I tell? And I was writing down, okay, all these details about success in business. Okay, you need a good structure and you could do a business plan and finances. And I thought, is that really the secret? And I think, no, I mean, I can write it all down. If you don't, if you can't constantly work on this and deliver it, it won't work. And then I found out, well, I have to talk about my why. I have to talk the story, how I had these transformations throughout my life. Uh, before I had my motorbike accident with 90, I wanted to be an actor. And then I went, studied medicine. I went a doctor. And then I changed again from doctor to uh, <laughs> to, to to more business style. And, and then I had a restaurant. And, you know, So I, I, I never had this fear of doing something new. And, and without this fear, it was easy to find my why. 
and then, and then I decided to start with wine. And uh, yeah, I, I I think that's it's really it's a game changer. Yeah, um, I was reflecting on my own practice recently, and may, maybe it gets back to the why. I don't know, but just like you said, you, you you go on Instagram and there's all this screaming and shouting, but also people, I guess, in some ways, you, you know, understand we showing off about what they do. And I think if you're a yeah. less experienced injector, you can feel very uh, inferior to that. You, you can sort of feel like I don't do any of that. I can't command all these areas of the face and I don't do advanced practice and so on. But, you know, now I, I, I've got a fairly, I would say, quite boring practice real estate, a, lo- a lot of regulars. I, of course, do see new patients, but I see less new patients. And if you looked at my calendar, you might think, wow, that's pretty boring. It's a whole day of just tox treatments. And, you know, my diary is just filled with tox, tox, tox. And of course, you know, some filler and, and a few bits on the side. But you might think that's quite boring. And what's my why? But actually, I, I love a day like that because I get to see all my regulars. So I'm connected and bonded with my patients. But then yeah. I challenge myself as an injector to see how I can make it 1% better each time. So I'll really drill down into saying to the patient, I know you're going to tell me it was all fine and do the same again, but really think about it. Did you have a little bit of a flicker of of that stronger side? Or should we think about that chin that we've been talking about and we've never done your mentalis before? Or maybe let's get more exciting and do your platysma today. I'm I'm always trying to push the boundary and make it a little bit better. And, you know, the, the happy side effect is that, you know, they obviously get a better result, but then my margin and profitability goes up as well, obviously. So mm, that may yeah. sound like just a, a bit of a, a sales tactic, but it's, it's genuinely not. I want to make sure that they come back happier next time from yeah. a mundane treatment like toxin. So I guess what I'm saying to injectors out there is really try and extract the best doesn't matter what patient you've got booked in really critique your own work because that's going to make them happier Mm. and that that's the challenge that's what makes your job interesting Mm. rather than copy paste copy paste copy paste oh you have 40 units again that that's that's not going to work they'll eventually think that you've mentally checked out and don't care about them Mm. i think there's another interesting uh, aspect uh the aesthetic industry is is dominated by nurses, right? I would say in US probably it's more or less dominant. Um, and you know, male doctors have this natural born confidence of building a business or being, you know, they don't need advice. But nurses have this often don't or often don't have this permission to do this, to do this thing on their own. They're always led by someone. They're always uh, led by a doctor or whatever, a leading nurse. Um, and I think one important part of finding your why, and as, as well as the inner circle, is giving this permission to the people. We are examples who did this, who had the courage to step out of the line and did something new. And I, I think that's so important because we often are in these daily routines. We wake up, we go to work, and under the surface, we have this dream or we have this vision or we might know our why consciously or subconsciously but we never live it because we don't feel the permission to do so Mm. so i think being in this surrounding or meeting these people or wherever you get it uh you can get uh, inspiration from from many conferences but that helps you to feel this permission you can you can go anywhere and i think when you know your why you are you are able to to give endless energy to that. And my experience, it's always leading to a good result. 
if you are able to give endless energy in or endless, but a lot of energy into to a certain thing or goal, you, you'll get there. Mm. Yeah, but when I already hear people saying, oh, I, I want to have passive income. I open five clinics and I hire injectors and then I go to buy. I always say, oh, gosh, it's <laughs> you're a dreamer. It will not happen. Things don't happen by accident or, uh, yeah. Mm. So that's why the why is important. Yeah. Well, it's that extra sort of 5%, 1% that makes all the difference, isn't it? And if you're not fully in yeah, love with what you're yeah. doing, you won't give that You won't give that 1%, that extra, you know, and, and that's what's generally the the difference between being, marge, you know, successful very and, well it's sort of on a on a knife's edge isn't it really it's just that extra little bit of desperation or going yes. that extra mile and if you don't love what you do you won't be prepared to do that and so yeah. I think that this is what we're potentially seeing now is that if this is not what you really want to do you're going to you're not you're not going to have the desperation to do what it takes I think I think and this one percent per day is yeah. a massive amount on extra energy or extra mile on the long term, right? Yeah. Every day, a tiny extra step yeah. leads you really to far better result. Yeah. Absolutely. So let, let's talk a little bit specifics about some of the actual real life examples that are happening in people's clinics when it comes to what is it that they're noticing that is creating additional challenge to what they're doing. So I'll just run through four things here that I've noticed, and I'll be interested to see what, what you think, Felix. So we're noticing a reduction in patient spend per treatment. So, you yes. know, if they, if they would have come in and nor- normally spent $1,000, maybe now they're spending $700 or $500. Yes. Um, patients are extending their booking time. So, if they normally came and saw you religiously every three months for a tox, maybe they're seeing if they can stretch this out to four or five months now, or they get coming yes. back in for their fillers once a year rather than twice a year. Um, obviously, the increased competition and then increased regulation. So, here in Australia, we've had the T. So we've got, I think it's about seven or eight agencies, maybe it's nine that work, that are government agencies that regulate our industry. Mm. And I don't know whether they all talk to each other or whether they don't. I don't know how the inner workings all sort of function. So I'm not going to sort of make any assumptions there. Um, but we've just had new laws passed that are going to make it very, very difficult to advertise what you do. So we, we've never been allowed to advertise scheduled medication by name. So we can't we can't advertise in our clinics the word Botox or a particular filler name. Um, it always had to be communicated through anti-wrinkle or dermal fillers. Now we can't even use those terms or in a term that even implies mm. that. And so we've got all those issues going going on now. So I'd be interested to know, Felix, from your perspective, let's just start with patient spend. So if you've had patients who are averaging $1,000 and now it's $700, how do you adapt to that as a business? What can you do to sort of continue to be successful and, and make that as minimally impactive on your on your bottom line as possible? <laughs> that, that's a challenge. That's challenging. I agree on these things. People spend less, uh, extending booking times. That's absolutely true. Um, it, it's it's difficult to force people into, especially doctors yeah. don't like to to increase their sales skills to push people into that. I'm fine with that. Um, what well, I see some successful uh, models, but I don't know if that's allowed in, in in all countries, is having some kind of subscription models. Mm. So we are currently thinking of having this kind of Botox subscription model. Yep. They pay like hundred bucks a month. Uh, we. They get a, a, a big reduction and discount by by yep. uh, uh, 
subscribing to this model. And this leads to more visits and these leads to more cross-selling situations. And I know a clinic who do it. My current podcast is about that. Uh, and they, they grow or, or um, grow the revenue by 151% by implementing this subscription model. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's allowed in US. I don't know how it is in Australia. And I mean, regarding these regulations, I heard of this and it's a nightmare. Uh, but the good thing is it's for the entire country the same, right? And we had this, we had several workshops on branding and advertising, and we stopped advertising single treatments. We advertise the outcome, wow. right? So we find a, a world of pictures and videos where we, where we, I have to step back. So what is the core motivation of people undergoing aesthetic treatment? Well, more self-esteem, being more confident, uh, feeling more attractive. That's true. But we, what if you go deeper in the core motivation? The core motivation is, in the end, longing for acceptance and love and attention uh, and increasing or improving your relationships. So we talk about this. We po- talk about nice moments as couples. We talk about being seen, being loved. Um, and I think that's that's the trick in the branding and marketing game. Uh, people don't buy a Botox treatment. They buy a new life. They buy, you know, getting more accepted and more loved. Mm. I couldn't agree more. Actually, yesterday we were talking again on our WhatsApps about, do we price our toxin per unit or per area? And, you know, we had that sort of debate. and. I agree with you, Felix. You, you're not really selling a an amount of stuff. You're selling a result. Mm-hmm. And so yes. if you focus with your patients on the education of, well, you know, don't worry so much in this chat about it's $17 or $15 a unit. Let's think about what does that translate and give you for the next four or five months. And yeah. then, you know, if it's $200 difference, I, I think they see that that's a kind of a silly way to think about it. Mm-hmm. They, they actually think yeah. of, well, the result. Uh, I agree, Jake. That's how I structure my consultation process. So uh, after a small talk and, and, and getting in connection with my patient, I, I give them the mirror, probably do the same. And I let them talk first and they show me what, what, what they think is wrong or happening, what, they want, uh, what the kind of treatment they want. But then I go through the assessment and show what happened within the last 10 to 15 years. What is the process of aging? And I tell them what I can change. And then I, 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 I show them how it might look like. And that, you know, that's often then the, the, the change from investing 700 to then going, okay, that's so impressive. I want this. What mm. you just telling me? Uh, what is the price? And when I say it's 2000, I say, okay, it's a lot of money for me, but I, you you convinced me. So I think it's a lot about this patient, but but not everyone is has the skills, not everyone is talented in this. But again, I, I, I talk about results in the in the uh, consultation. I never talk about products. I don't know if you remember if one of the a few of these big companies wanted to talk more about result uh, more about products and wanted to advertise their fillers, and we never jumped on this uh, uh, train with we we never advertise the fillers or bottles, whatever. We that's not a matter. We talk about results. Yeah. And I would change in this case in, in Australia, I would 
focus on how can I change my language? How can I change my entire uh, web page and appearance and marketing towards results instead of fillers, Botox? And, but that's my humble opinion. I don't know if that's the right. Yeah. No, no, I agree. The, the, the only caveat, and we, we don't know the answer to this, is if they also remove the ability to have before and afters. Because, you know, yeah. I, I can talk about mills and this and that and technique, but at the end of the day, what a patient wants to have a rough idea of is, if I have a tear trough filler with you, Dr. Jake, what does that loosely look like? You know, from start yeah. to finish, what does it roughly look like? And a picture is a thousand words, right? And if we can't yes. do that, then it's going to get really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you allowed to do this 3D demonstration? We have these 3D cameras and we take a, a picture of them and then we can adapt yeah. on the screen yeah, that what could, we plan that, to do. That could be it's in, not that in clinical. Anymore. No, that, that can be done in the clinic and in the consultation if you have the equipment. Yeah. It's the advertising because the yeah. regulator takes yeah. the opinion that you know, you're luring people in and you're selling a dream and you know yeah. that, that's, yeah. that's the attitude at the moment. Yeah. What do you think? We're talking about strategies for combating? A, yeah. Many countries have, uh, have, have cancelled these before and after pictures. It's still allowed in Switzerland, but in Germany it's not allowed, for example. So Yeah, same yeah. for Norway. That, they've cancelled it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So strategies from from my perspective. So let's just let's just go through these one at a time. So the, as you said, the regulation it's a, it's a uniform rule that's going to affect everyone. I do think that people that are already established in the marketplace are at a great advantage because they have momentum, they have an existing database of patients, so they'll be less affected than people that are new entrants into the market or those that are still yes. developing. So perhaps a consideration is: is it time for you to have your own business, or is it maybe potentially better going to work for someone else who's in an established practice before you go out on your own. So maybe the amount of people starting their own businesses should reduce and maybe there needs to be a rethinking around going and working for someone else Mm. for a few years, doing the right thing, contributing, growing their business, being ethical, but maybe after you've been there for a few years, then maybe it's an opportunity for you to go out on your own. So I think maybe just thinking about is having your own business now the right time for you? So I'll just leave that there. It's not no right or wrong answer, but it's just a consideration. Mm. Um, increased competition, there's nothing you can do about that, but getting back to your why, making sure that you're in it for the right reasons, offering something different, giving people an experience, um, and making sure that this is really what you want to do because it's going to permeate throughout your business and, as you said, your staff, your peers, and and most importantly, your patients. Um, When it comes to reducing patient spends, I think that we just need – it depends on what sort of end of the market you're at. As Felix said, if you're at the top end of town and you're charging, you know, $20 $20 a unit for tox and people are paying that, you probably don't need to worry too much because those people will continue to have money. The money just doesn't disappear. Yeah. It just moves from certain groups, from one group to another group. So if you've got the middle yeah. class that are being obliterated at the moment, um, you're going to be more, If you, and your patients fit into that demographic, you're going to be more impacted than by someone that's at the top end of town, right? So, yeah. you know, other things that you can, so first of all, I would think about going through your, profit and loss statement and looking at all the unnecessary speed because what you want to do is remove as much pressure from yourself as possible because then you start getting stressed and you start compromising you're stressed about your finances you're not focusing on the patient and it can create a cascading effect of negative outcomes so first step is stop all unnecessary spending go through your belt go through your profit and loss sheet work with a business coach whether it's me or anyone else or or an accountant or someone someone that understands numbers alleviate pressure immediately Mm. Because the less pressure you have on yourself, the more relaxed you're going to feel. Stop and the I, hemorrhage. Yeah. I mean, I, and I can tell you almost every consulting patient that I've worked with, if I go through their PL, I, I can find 
money that doesn't need to be spent. Yeah. And because we've been yes. in this Goldilocks yes. period, people have just sort of been spending because the margins have been so high, the patients keep coming in, they have no reason to look at this. You need to look at this stuff yeah. now. Mm. So stop the hemorrhaging, remove all unnecessary financial pressure. When it comes to patients not being able to spend as much and extending the time between treatments, you can't change that. You can't change patients' financial situation. But do you start looking at offering other treatments within your clinic that cost less, that still make people feel good? Because at the end of the day, people are coming in because they want to feel good. So I like the idea of your subscription model, Phyllis. I think that's great because it helps people manage their finances. It doesn't make yep. it feel like such a massive hit at the same time. And most people aren't really that good at, at balancing their finances. People sort of live from week to week or month to month. So I think that's a great strategy. But potentially you look at bringing in treatments that cost less that still make people feel good. So do you bring on a great skin therapist? to potentially offer things that, you know, facials, yeah. microderms, things like that, that still make people feel good. Because at the end of the day, you said the motivation is feeling good. And so they can't yeah. afford their filler treatment, but they can afford a facial or a microderm or a peel or whatever. Or maybe it's just some extra, some extra tox rather than a filler. Mm -hmm. So just think about creative ways you can make things less expensive for people that still get them coming yeah. in. And you know what? They'll refer their friends as well. And this is the most important time we need to focus on patient retention. Yeah. If you're the clinic that is still offering treatments that make them feel good yeah. and they're getting a great experience, they're going to keep coming back. They're going to refer their friends. Yeah. So I think it's about making treat, offering, giving people more options, focusing on your why, creating the right experience for people, reducing unnecessary expense and taking the pressure off yourself and potentially looking at other sources of income. You know, listening to people like Cassandra who we've had on the podcast What's going on with your sales of your of your skincare products? Yeah, is that you know is every is every touch point of your business optimized? Yeah, so um, that would be sort of just bullet point advice. I think. Do you have anything to add to that, Felix? No, it's perfectly said. Uh, I couldn't say it better. I've perfectly got one thing said. to add. Also, Absolutely. listen to Felix's podcast, Aesthetics and Biz, because it's really good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's really good, and and. What I, what I what I find refreshing is you've you found some guests that we've not come across yet. So oh, it's just nice to, you know, get that uh, sort of new perspective on things. Um, and the worst is we never made it to get you guys on this podcast. We had some attempts and yeah. uh, ideas, but for whatever reason, it so that's on my list for the next. When season. we stop recording, we will get our diaries out. We'll put it in the diary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you and think? I have to come to Australia. That's on my list as well. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Did you? anything to add i mean you're in the clinic i mean did you i mean i guess you're at the top end of town really so you're probably i mean if you're being affected everyone's being affected right yeah of course look i i think you guys have touched on yeah on, okay. on everything um you know i like the products that i use but of course there are alternatives yeah so obviously look at your price per per treatment yeah. and work out how you may be able to get savvy with that as yeah. well that's an yeah. obvious one yeah. but i don't think we've sort of mentioned it in this podcast just quickly on devices i don't i think devices are great um but what i would say is if you're going to consider buying a device before you even think about buying a device i want to see a business case that you've put together on how you're going to make that device make money for you because a lot of people buy the device and they're like great yes how am i going to make money no 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 <laughs> Yeah, agree. Is the demand there? Is the device that you're getting right for your patients? Is there a gap in your offering? And what strategies are you going to use to make sure that the moment that device lands in your account, lands in your clinic, it's not going to become a dust collector? What's your marketing strategy? How are you going to get your clients to know about it? 
you know, are there consumables involved? What's this going to add to your sort of repayables every month? So I know a lot of people- How, put, many, how yeah. many treatments do I need per day to, Correct. to fund it? Yeah, so and a lot of people just buy it and then they consider this later. And, yeah. so, and then you need to do it the other way around. And actually a really obvious one, it seems crazy to me, is often all of that happens. But then the other question is, who's going to use the device? Yeah, Because it's often solo yeah. practice clinics or there's a handful of staff and it's not quite decided- what room is it going to be yeah. in and who's going to be doing it? Because if you're the uh, injector, yeah. you're either going to divide your time doing laser yep. or someone else has to do it. So yep. you need to think about that. Yeah, And also, if you've got a device in a room, what's your opportunity cost? So if you're treating yeah. someone doing sort of like, you know, pigmentation treatment, for example, does that inhibit your ability to see more injectable patients and which one's going to make you more money? Yeah. And so then you go, okay, well, how do I do this? <laughs> so yeah. there's, there's an allocation of resources, staff and, and space. Definitely. Is that something you see regularly, Felix? I, I have, yeah. Um, what I see, many aesthetic providers are not able to negotiate. Uh, go and check your P&L. And for example, in our P&L, uh, uh, product costs are, are a big portion and filler costs for example are yeah. huge so we i i don't know that I, I we think we buy five thousand fillers per year and we got very good prices uh if most single solopreneurs and single providers don't have these amounts but why not getting together with other colleagues you like and and and, and raise the amounts and then go to the filler company and say okay now we buy like three thousand fillers altogether but we want better prices so I think, and, and the same with any other thing, negotiate, you often are surprised how much price gap or uh, uh, room is is there for, for better prices. Yeah, That's a good point. I mean, we can't always do that in Australia. There, there are ways and there, there are companies like, uh, you okay. know, some of the prescribing companies where that might be um, a solution. But I suggest just be honest with your preferred pharma company actually arrange a coffee with the business manager for your region and tell them yeah. exactly what you're feeling. Just be honest. Say, look, I'm really loyal. I want to invest in your product. I don't want to go shopping around and I'm sure you don't want me to do that either, but here's my mm. issue. Mm. And just have a coffee, have a yeah. discussion. They um, want to work yeah. with you. Sometimes they can't help. Sometimes they can, but mm. see where it goes. Negotiate. Well, the, the best time yeah. to negotiate yeah. is before they've got your account. And so I'd be also looking to negotiate payment terms. Yeah. Especially when cash flow is an issue. So if they want yes, your business, you're yes. going to say, look, I'm going to need 60 days. I can't have a 30. If you want my business, I need a 60-day account or a 90-day account. I'm just throwing arbitrary numbers out there. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about because I haven't bought fillers in a couple of years. Yeah. But going and actually negotiating, because cash flow is generally the problem. Mm. It, it's yeah. like, I don't have the money right. I'm going to have the money, but I don't have it right now. So if you can say, if you want my account, I need 60-day trading term. Yeah. Probably going to get some death yeah. threats now from Philly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so reasonable, there, right? There, there many, yeah, many details yeah. you can optimize. Right, there's yeah. so much to do in, to improve your business. Yeah, yeah, right. So book David for a consultation, and you get to, to know all this. And they, <laughs> he, he will guide you. He will guide you to. Here's something that's come up with me. Um, you know, one company they they don't take Amex, but they take Mastercard, and and the other company takes Amex. You know, that's a silly point, but some mm. people really want to get their Amex points and and yeah. and so on. Yeah. yeah. So if you could yeah. just say to the company, well, look, if you took my Amex, I would give you my business. Yeah. Or, or stop yeah. giving me the crazy surcharge. Just make it sensible. Yeah. And also support yeah. and training yeah. too. Or you know, can they help you with with sort of marketing ideas? Are they going to come in and help you with training? You know, how much support are you going to get? So there's all these sort of fringe benefits that you can get from these companies. It's just about 
if you don't ask, you don't get. Correct. You know, exactly. so they yeah. can only say no. Yeah. Um, bit of a broad question. I just want to ask you, Felix, because you know you speak to lots of different businesses, and I know some of the businesses that you have worked with or promoted have got big online presences, big Instagrams. What what do you think people should be doing online these days? Um, you know, we're just in a sea of noise. TikTok, Instagram, and <laughs> mm. podcasts now. Yeah. Everyone's got a podcast. So where do you think people should be dedicating their time? Oh, it's a, uh, That's a, a very good and difficult question at the same time. So here is my my discovery at IBCAS. Guys, like like five years ago, KOLs were the superstars. Raja, Queer on stage, and afterwards everyone wanted a picture. This time... Uh, I was was there with Tim and Dan Julian, Tim mm-hmm. Pierce and Dan Julian, and they couldn't move forward. They were like stars. People were uh, surrounding them. So there is definitely an impact on social media. And it, it's definitely something in it. But I don't have the recipe. Honestly, I'm struggling with the time. But I, you know, I can't afford to to cut out a half a day per week to to record videos. Um, but yeah. Again, find your why. If you feel comfortable, and there are different opinions, right? People would say you have to go to Instagram and do it, but you have to be comfortable in, in front of camera, number one. And second, you have to be distinctive. Yeah. Uh, most of the people do the same things that anyone others do, and they have like 400 followers and uh, try to cut off hours per week to record videos. Then I would say it doesn't make sense, right? Uh, invest your money in Google or something else. It, it's, it's, it's a better investment. But if you feel comfortable in front of camera and if you are distinctive, like Rachel Jurel, you know her, the lady who, who does these, these drawings in her face and then shows how the treatment works, that's something different, right? And she's hugely successful. So, so think of something distinctive you can offer and, and then, then I would recommend to do social media, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an asset. Yeah. Branding is an asset. Yeah. Personal branding and branding is, is a new asset, definitely. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, the interesting thing with those two examples, and, and Tim and Dan are both you know friends and, and previous guests on the podcast, yeah. their appeal is more to injectors than patients, I would yeah. assume. Yeah. So, Agreed. you know, Agreed. you go to IMCAS and they're, and they're swabbed and it's, it's awesome for them. But I, I don't know anything about their businesses. So maybe, you know, our core listener is an injector yeah. trying to improve their own business with patients. What yes, do you think they agree, should be, what, what should they be putting out there? Like, well, you know, what, what's the, what's the, well, who's what's the patient? point? <laughs> well, who, who, who's your patients? Yeah. You know, yeah, like, I agree. Yeah. So, that's, I mean, and this is the thing is a lot of people don't know who their patients are. They just sort of, whoever comes through the door. Great. I mean, to a yeah. certain extent, yes, we're living in times where, you know, you, you, you take what you can get. But at the end of the day, who are your patients? Are they people like my mum's age? Are they conservative? Do they want, you know, the positive mm-hmm. aging kind of aesthetic? What sort of treatments are you providing? How do you communicate? What sort of language are you using? Are they going to, you know, are they going to find it appealing to see your lip before and after or, you know, someone doing, you know, you dancing on your Instagram? I don't know. Is that your patient profile? Yeah. So I think it's about yeah. working out who who is your ideal patient. Who are, You're obviously going to get people yeah. outside of that because that's just how the, the nature of the industry. Yeah. Um, and what is it that you do better than everyone else? Are you a great educator? Are you a great orator? Can you explain things really well? Do you have a particular treatment that you're like fantastic at? Because you mm. can't be good at everything. Yeah. You know, you don't do yeah. lips anymore. You don't advertise lips because I'm sure- oh, I do them. I just don't advertise yeah, them. Yeah, but it's not, you're like, if you had to pick like your favorite treatment to do, I wouldn't assume it's not on your no. top, it's not in your top three, right? No. 
And so that's not what you focus on. Correct. So yeah. I think it's about, you yeah. know, you can't be everything to everyone. You don't need a million followers on Instagram to have a successful business. Yeah. You need yep. a solid, um, reliable, loyal client base, patient database who love you for what you do. You do the treatments you're good at. You're honest. You have a good rapport with them. And they fit into your your wheelhouse of, of who it is you want to be providing to. Totally. So agree. I think that's kind of a general concept, I think. And then once you've worked that out, then it should be it should be easy, really, to sort of figure out how you're going to yeah. communicate to these people. Hundred percent. I mean, you you only need like hundred fifty loyal patients that you probably find, right? Yeah, you don't. So need, it's yeah. I agree. You don't need thousands. It, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, you, that's it's a good point, David. You have to know your patience and and have to fit that. Funny, I had a, uh, a WhatsApp chat call today with uh, a German practice um, mm. lady, and she said, "Oh, I, we investing so much in social media, but we're not moving forward." And I quickly went on her social media, and she was explaining uh, how Botox works, and and, and it's, I responded to her and said, "Listen, it's great, but." We have hundreds of thousands of videos on Instagram explaining how Botox works. Yeah. So maybe I have two examples of great Instagram accounts focused on patients. One is Chris Subio, right? Yeah. He's he's just this funny, creative guy. And when he posts a treatment or an after result, it's it's humorous, but it's also great quality. And the other example is Julie Horn. Uh, As you know, I work closely with Julie and I know what she uh, got for lips and and patients flew in from all over the world. But she, back then, she was only showing lips, but brilliant lips, right? So I think there's something in that. Again, it's the results. The same what Chris Subia does with history, but it's great results. It's not a before and after, it's great end results. And it gives this kind of desire uh, of people to to be this to to want want to have this kind of lips, uh, yeah, something. But I, you know, they probably find better people who who can talk about social media. And, uh, but that's my my humble opinion and view on that. Fair enough. So to distinctive and high quality. Yeah, no, I appreciate the insight. <laughs> so to wrap up this conversation, uh, maybe get a, a sort of summary from both of you. So. Mm. If you're an injector or a clinic owner listening to this and you're a little bit panicky, sales are down, the bookings are down, you want to put the tourniquet on and stop the bleeding, what, what, what are the two or three things that you, you would sort of summarize for these people? Um, well, as I just kind of mentioned, get someone to help you, whether it be an accountant or a business coach or someone to like have a, a fresh set of eyes on your business, stop all unnecessary spending, optimize your clinic, optimize your retail opportunities, Make sure you've got the right people on the bus, the right people on your team. If it's just you, that's fine. As Felix sort of said, work out what your why is, who your patients are. Make sure this is what you want to be doing with your career. Um, Don't panic because panicking doesn't help. It just, it sort of paralyzes you. So Mm -hmm. to be, join networks, you know, you know, join our Patreon group, (laughs) you know, um, you know, (laughs) find people that are like-minded. They're going to support you and lift you up, give you advice. Yeah. um, And... (sighs) I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to think how to, to summarize it up in one word. I might, I might defer to Felix for a second while I think about how, how I would wrap that up. But those, those are essentially the, the high, the high level concepts. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Felix, to sort of summarize our chat today? Yeah, I, I, I probably try to find the right words. It's uh, focus on patient and fit the branding to that. Uh, find your why. 
uh, reduce costs. I think we often think on revenue only, but cost is a very important uh, topic. Every saved uh, dollar is a saved dollar, and, and, and every plus on revenue is only like 20 or uh, 30 pennies. Uh, have a culture in your company and work on your leadership skills. Th- that's what I would think is the five core. That's awesome. I've just realized I'm going to plug myself here. Um, I'm going to be at the ACE conference in London next month. I can't believe it's next month on March the 16th. And my talk, I didn't realize how related it is to this podcast. It's called, What Sort of Injector Are You? It's only a 15 minute talk, but I'm going to be wrapping up some of these concepts in a talk. So come and come and see me and come and have a a Negroni after. (laughs) Are you coming to AMVC, Monaco? No. Uh, Sorry, AMWC. Yes. Yes, definitely. I will be there for sure. uh, I was like, what's AMVC? I haven't been to that one. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. We spell it we in in, in Germany. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely be there. Yeah, 100%. Good. I'm there as well. I don't, I don't think I could... I think I said what I needed to say. I don't think there's anything else I could add to that. Yeah, look, there, there's a lot of gold in this podcast and a lot to to think about. And I think we've mentioned this once or twice before. It, it's fine to sit down and listen to an hour and a half between these gurus, business gurus, and go, oh, okay, that all sounds awesome. But you've got to put it into practice. So, you know, maybe, yes. maybe take some notes from some of these high-level concepts and then literally spend an hour in your clinic when you've got yeah. some downtime because... If you haven't got bookings, do something with your time and actually yeah. action it mm. or, or get together some sort of a plan. Yeah. Because I feel like it, it, it's one thing yeah. to sort of know what to do, but you've actually got to do it. Yeah. And I, I think I know how to round off what I was saying now. And, and thank you for the, uh, for the sort of stimulus there. I think that it's about trying to do, break it out into, break it down into bite-sized chunks. I think a lot of people get paralyzed by the, the overwhelming concept of what it is they need to achieve and looking at looking at it in its totality rather than breaking it down into bite-sized chunks. So mm. just because you can't do everything today doesn't mean you shouldn't do something. So just do, as Felix said, just do 1% a day. Just pick one thing per week or per month that you can do better yeah. Yeah. and just chip away at it. You eat the elephant one bite at a time. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and so one last thing, accept that you will fail. Uh, I'm failing every day in some parts and it's an experience and a learning curve you won't even if you try to implement all these knowledge and, and advices you have to get your own experiences and you have to go on the journey and you will do mistakes and, and fail yeah. don't don't be worried i yeah. i the, the biggest learnings i had through failures yeah absolutely so yeah I think so. Just don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do it twice. That's, that's true. <laughs> All right, chaps. It was great chat. Really appreciate your time, Felix. Thank I know you. it's late Thank in you uh, Switzerland. You've Thank got you to get so to bed. Much. Yes. But we'll catch up uh, in about a month in uh, yes. MWC. And let's um let's organize a time when we go offline now to have a chat with Felix yes. on his podcast. We want to be on yes, your podcast definitely. too. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take Thank care. You. Good Thanks, night. Felix. Thank you. Thank you so much. For our latest news, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. If you want to get in touch with myself or David, follow us on Instagram as well at Dr. Jake Sloan and David underscore Inside Aesthetics. Join our Patreon for invaluable business and injectable education. Get access to our global community of like-minded professionals, live and interactive Zoom sessions, hints and tip videos, webinars, and more. Head over to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon for more information.